It struck me as we were preparing for today that this is the last week of Galatians. We have been on this journey with Galatians since New Year's, looking at this little book that is so easily overlooked and forgotten in the daily life of the everyday believer. But man, it is just chock full of what the way of God and the call of God is all about in this world. We've covered a lot of ground since January, haven't we? You, you think about what we've highlighted and what we've learned. That Galatians is about the gospel. And the gospel, most broadly put, is about what God does, not about what you do. That the way you get right with God is because of what God does, not because of what you do. That the way you become a part of God's covenant people, his covenant family, is all about what God has done for you in Christ, not about what you do. That if anyone, no matter how important they should be, who they claim to be, what their pedigree or their, the, the degrees they have to, after their name, whether it's an angel from heaven themselves, preaches a different kind of gospel, a different kind of message about how to get right with God, about how to be a part of his covenant people, doesn't matter, reject it. Follow the truth of what God says, no matter what other people might be telling you. That all of us nonetheless have a propensity, don't we? To want to add on to the gospel. To make a plus one, so to speak. That what Jesus has done for me gets me started. But then I need to add to that, whether it's following the Mosaic law, being a good person, or any other number of plus ones that we can add on to that. But what we've learned from this book is any plus one is nothing short of perverting the gospel and therefore perverting God himself. So don't be a plus one pervert. Right? Just don't do it. We've learned that through the law, I've died to the law, that I might live for God, that I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself up for me. And if a righteousness from God could be attained by the law, then Christ died for nothing. We've learned that we receive God's spirit by believing what we heard, not by some program of bettering our life or living in obedience to some kind of code. We've learned that the law is good, but nothing more than a babysitter. And we've grown beyond the need for something like that. We've learned that the Spirit of God has made us children of Abraham. Genuine, bona fide children of Abraham, even if we're actually not. But makes us inheritors of the blessing that God made to Abraham, part of his people, his lineage, what God was doing among them. We've learned that no matter what our gender, we are all sons of God because of that. Through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of us who have baptized into Christ, that is, immersed ourselves in his gospel, 
We've clothed ourselves with Christ. And that in his community, there is now no difference along any lines, as Paul will put it, between Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, that we're all one in Christ. We've learned that it's so easy to turn back to the weak and miserable principles of trying to get right with God by what we do, by what we expect and experience in this world that you get what's coming to you and you only receive what you earn. We've learned that each of us are in a conflict. And nature inherent to us that is drawn to a relationship with God based on performance, and that never does it well. But also another side, by God's spirit, and that the two are in conflict with each other, leaving us in a place that we often don't do what we want, let alone knowing what we want. We've heard the words of Paul. To choose the way of the spirit. A new way of living and thinking and being. Not by living by getting good enough before God to somehow earn his favor, but rather to walk with him, to dance. To enjoy his company and presence and invite his way to lead in the dance of our life. We've covered so much in this little book called Galatians. Obvious examples of what sin is in the way of the flesh or the sinful nature might be. Obvious examples of what God is doing in you, what he's producing. And today we come to the end of that journey. A mere 2,300 words, give or take, depending on the translation that you're using. But in that, so much insight, so much, so much God wants to tell you and me. And we come to the end where Paul leaves us with both a final warning and invitation which we're going to find out actually are the exact same message and the exact same thing. Let me share his final words with you out of this letter here today. I'll give it to you first in the NIV. Here's what he says. Do not be, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. So let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And he says, see what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. May I never boast. 
except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Because at the end of the day, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision mean anything. What counts is a new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule. To the Israel of God. So from now on, let no one cause me trouble, he says. For I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. One thing I've liked to do through this series, and one thing I actually like to do personally in my own devotional practice, is to read the words of the Bible in varying translations. I find that when I do, it helps me get out of my own expectations, my own headspace. It, it clarifies things at times. It, it engages me in different ways. I want to read these same words to you again from a translation called The Message with slight modification by me along the way. See how it might bring these final words, these final words of Paul to life, maybe in a different way. He says this, don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, he harvests a crop of weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. So let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. Right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community or fellowship of faith. Now, in these last sentences, I want to emphasize in the bold scrawls of my personal handwriting the immense importance of what I have written to you. These people who are attempting to force the ways of circumcision on you have only one motive. They want an easy way to look good before others. Lacking the courage to live by a faith that shares Christ's suffering and death. All their talk about the law is gas. They themselves don't keep the law. And they are highly selective in the law or laws that they do choose to observe. They only want you to be circumcised so they can boast of their success in recruiting you to their side. That is contemptible. For my part, I'm going to boast about nothing but the cross of our master, Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, I have been crucified in relation to the world set free from the stifling atmosphere of pleasing others and fitting into the little patterns that they dictate. Can't you see the central issue in all this? It's not what you do and I do. Circumcision, uncircumcision. It's what God is doing. And he is creating something, something totally new. 
a new life, a free life, a new creation. All who walk by the standard are the true Israel of God. His chosen people, peace and mercy on them. Quite frankly, I don't want to be bothered anymore by these disputes. I got more important things to do. The serious living of this faith. I bear in my body scars from my service to Jesus. May what our master Jesus Christ gives freely be deeply and personally yours, my friends. Oh, yes. Isn't that a great way to say amen? Oh, yes. He brings us to the end. Look at what I'm telling you, he says. Look at the large letters I use to write to you with my own hands. Look, it is underlined. It is bolded. It is italicized. It is in, in all caps. Don't let this slide by as church speak. Don't have your pious moment in the word and nod your head and close the book and go back to the way that you once lived. No, 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 Paul is saying, don't let this slip you by because here's what it comes down to. In this life and in this world, people will try to seduce you to another gospel. They will try to get you to believe things about God that sound so good but just aren't true. They'll try to tell you that this message of the gospel is too good to be true. How can it be what God has done for me and not what I have to do? It makes no sense. How can we jettison the commands of the Old Testament that God called the people of Israel to keep as though we are no longer bound by them? How can we say that circumcision or whatever other areas and aspects of the law that that command calls us to follow don't count, don't matter any more? It doesn't make sense. And people will tell you that. Churches will tell you that. Christian leaders will tell you that. Your friends will tell you that. But worst of all, your own heart will tell you that. It'll tell you that this message of the gospel is too good to be true, that it can't be true, that the path to a right relationship with God and what it means to be a part of his community of people must, at least in some way, depend on me? In some way, it's got to be about what I do? No, look at the large letters I'm using to write to you. Now, we don't see them. We see them in, like, you know, print. I would have loved to have seen that original letter, wouldn't you? Like, I, I could almost envision this scroll, you know, or this, this, this page that's like 12-point scribble font, and then he comes to this point, and it's like, 36, baby, look at the large letters. Don't miss it. This is coming from me. This isn't me just dictating something. This isn't just a paper I did for a professor. This isn't a sermon I had to prepare so I can keep my job. No, I'm telling you, Paul is saying... This is from me, heart and soul, because you matter. You matter to me, and I love you. And I don't want to see you be driven away from God, deluded and deceived, thinking that you're following him, but alienating yourself from Christ and from grace. Oh, it's so easy to do. It's so easy to do.
to start to believe that it's about what I do. This whole thing got started. Because what I will say, and I believe this, well-meaning people who were versed in the scriptures and loved Christ came from Jerusalem, from the apostles themselves, or at least they purported to be, to tell these Galatian Christians that Christ was not enough, that there was more that they had to add to the equation. Paul says, you're going to have that in your life. This is only the beginning. Don't listen to them. These people, they just want to impress you. They want to impress others by compelling you to be like them, to do more, to work harder, to contribute to your relationship with God and the grace he's given you. Don't listen to him, he says. No, not one bit. Their motives aren't pure. Which of our motives really are when you come down to it? No, may Christ be the center of your relationship with God, or as we said in the beginning, not the ABCs of Christianity, but the A to Z. Let the cross of Christ be the totality. Let what God has done for you by sending his son to die for you and rise again be the center out of which everything your relationship with God stems from. May I boast, he says, except in the cross of Christ, nothing else but the cross of Christ through which the world has been crucified to me. It's weak and miserable principles. It's babysitter laws and I to the world. Because when you come down to it, this line right here is what you can say that Galatians is all about. Circumcision, uncircumcision, doesn't mean anything. Jew or Gentile doesn't mean anything. Rich or poor, it doesn't mean anything. Black or white, it doesn't mean anything. Male or female, it doesn't mean anything. Lutheran or Catholic, it doesn't mean anything. Whatever other kind of thing that you want to put in there. This stuff that we construct in the world, it doesn't mean anything. What counts is what God is doing in you. And let me tell you guys, God is doing something in you. Jesus says, anyone who is born of the Spirit is born again. And if the Spirit of God who is alive in you has given you new birth, then he who has begun that good work in you will bring it to completion. It is what God is doing in you. A new creation. That you are a new creation. New in God's eyes. Different. Renewed. 
that what God is doing in this world, a new creation, that God is bringing the curse that we find ourselves under in this world to what he always intended it to be to begin with. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation and the peace, the shalom, the mercy, and the grace, the goodness and the fruit of the Spirit of God will be yours when you grasp it. Because that is who the people of God are. That, as Paul will say, is true Israel. So we've come to the end of Galatians. Paul has to say. And now that we've come to the end, if I can give the Gedini translation, don't give me any crap about this. I've said it over and over again. I've appealed to you from experience. I've appealed to you from the scriptures. I've appealed to you from the historic events. I've appealed to you from my own authority as apostle. I've pleaded with you out of the love I have for you in my heart. There's nothing more to be said. You're either going to believe it or you're not. So don't give me your crap about it. No more trouble. Because I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. I've lived it, he says. And I know it. And so the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, may it be with your spirit. May it mold you, inform you, and sustain you. May it shape the course and trajectory of where that spirit is leading you and who God is calling you to be. May you live in the freedom of the grace of what God has done for you and not who you think you're supposed to be. Brothers and sisters, amen.